The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We can't keep going with the haphazard relationship with the public sector. We need a strategic partnership. As so said my next guest when talking about the relationship between public and private hospitals in the Irish Examiner yesterday. Jim Daly is CEO of the Private Hospitals Association and he's on the line. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, explain what the haphazard relationship is currently between private and public. Yeah, so at the moment, um, there are relationships between the public system and the private hospitals. Um, They kind of vary from period to period, depending on peaks and troughs in demand. But uh, as the issue gets more acute and as the demand is increasing at a steady pace, particularly uh, post the COVID era, um, the capacity, I suppose, limitations in the public system are starting to really, really come to show. And that's why you have such huge inordinate Mm -hmm. numbers on waiting lists. So what we in the Private Hospitals Association believe, which is a collection of the private hospitals in Ireland, the representative body, is that uh, the state should really kind of identify what it needs over the next three to five year period from the private hospital sector. And if it does and sets that out, we in the private hospitals be quite happy to, um, you know, make the necessary arrangements. If we have to build on extensions and build on additional capacity, we're doing it anyway. But we're quite happy to scale that up if the public mm-hmm. system does need that assistance. We've no difficulty doing that and we'll do the, the necessary, okay. you know, recruitment as well to mm-hmm. accompany that. Now, we understand uh, when the pandemic happened and uh, the HSE services were curtailed, that um, private beds were used and uh, used quite extensively. Uh, some, uh, you remember a period when beds were contracted and not used. Uh, so you could see that the HSE, in trying to mind its euros and cents, would be trying to uh, maybe rationalise how they would use you. In other words, we'll need beds next week, we'll pay for them, uh, we don't want to book a month's beds because we may not need them, that kind of thing, or we've got so many people on trolleys, we'd like to move people out of uh, our public hospitals into private hospitals for a period, but we don't want to kind of book so much time that we end up paying for empty beds. Yeah, and that's all very, you know, I suppose that goes back to the old maxim, you can know the price of everything, but the value of nothing, you know, you have to appreciate that we in the private sector are, are more than happy, as I said from the outset, to to help with waiting lists and to reduce the, the pressures in the public system. But to do that, we can't just, you know, create beds and staff them up overnight or over a week. You know, if somebody says we want 10 extra beds next week or 20 extra beds, we can't magic them up. I think the state at this stage has a fair idea of the demand of healthcare, the trends that are there. Um, the increases that are happening year on year. Mm. And they also know their own capacity and they know the specialities that they're particularly short of um, both uh, infrastructure and staff for. And I think it's, you know, it is within the gift of the state. You're beginning to sound, uh, Jim, like those hoteliers who want refugees because it's a nice little earner and it's guaranteed. God, uh, that's uh, that's really not where I'm coming from. Um, Pat, the private hospitals are in themselves at the moment extraordinarily busy. Um, they're at you know peak capacity, most of them anyway. It is unlikely that there's very many empty beds hanging around or that we're sitting around looking mm. for business. But we get, you know, we receive requests all the time from the public, and there's a lot of local arrangements work particularly well with hospitals where they rely 
on capacity as well in the private sector and they work together hand in glove and I suppose it was one thing that we learned uh, from COVID when the two systems were thrown together um, very very quickly at short notice and made to kind of work mm. together uh, all the barriers broke down very quickly people did what they had to do and got on with it and yeah. I think in this day and age we should have the wherewithal to rise above some of the ideological barriers where you had two different health systems running in parallel and never the twain should meet I mean it, it is one global health system in Ireland we're not a huge country and I think we should be looking at our health system in its totality and identifying the needs of patients and let them be first and foremost to our fore. Okay, and, and, and that's and, a worthy idea. But I, I'm just wondering, you know, you know, you were talking about some sort of strategic arrangement where there would be a commitment uh, by the HSE, ultimately the minister, I suppose, uh, to get into bed with the private uh, hospitals and contract for certain services and certain number of beds for certain procedures, uh, all to the good. And then you've got the people who are paying private health insurance to VHI, to Leia, to Irish Life, and they're saying, I now find I've got a waiting period. I, you know, was told I could get my hip operation uh, within a couple of weeks of it being recommended by my specialist. And now I find I've got to wait three months because those hip beds are full of HSE patients. Why pay insurance? Yeah, well, I mean, I support that- the private hospital. Yeah, that that scenario could potentially happen if, you know, a haphazard arrangement did continue. That's not happening at the moment. Um, you know, and we don't anticipate that is going to happen because obviously, you know, about 50% of the population have private health insurance or close to it in Ireland today. And they are the primary, um, I suppose, concern for the private hospitals at the moment is to ensure that their needs are looked after, their care needs are addressed first and foremost. So this is not about um, replacing them in any way, shape or form. It is genuinely looking at the healthcare system in its totality, seeing the pressures that are on the public system. Uh, we are the first port of call anytime there's a crisis, whenever the trolley numbers hit the headlines and when there's uproar in the doll, the private hospitals are the, the go-to space straight away for the HSE. So we're kind of just saying, you know what, we can surely have the wherewithal to sit down together, manage what's coming down the tracks so that we can ensure that we'll always have capacity mm. for our members first and foremost, but that we can and are happy to treat additional okay. patients in our hospitals provided that we get a line of sight of that demand over a you know a three year period or so because then we can scale up and we can staff up and we can build on the additional capacity that's mm. required and we'll do that so much more quickly and I would argue more efficiently than the public system can in that period. Um, you know people might say well what you guys want you want the cream you want the nice selective stuff that's planable and you know that uh, doesn't cause crises, not like the A&E crisis, not like those, maybe the stroke, the heart, all of those things that uh, lead to, to huge demand and huge pressure on ICU and so on. You want, you want the easy stuff. Uh, well, the, the facts don't bear that out, Pat, if you were to look at my member hospitals, the length and breadth of the country, and look at the extensions and the increases in capacity that they have done. We are some of the leading treaters of cardiac care in Ireland, actually, it's under the private system. We are some of the leading now treaters in cancer care. Uh, we have moved forward in robotic surgeries. We have moved forward in many, many complex areas of, of clinical care. And we are huge innovators in that space and employing the most advanced technology available to some of the most complicated and difficult, um, you know, clinical cases that come our way. So, I mean, I don't think that stands up to, it might be something that's, you know, thrown out there, but it actually wouldn't stand up to scrutiny on, on closer examination. Uh, don't you have a relationship anyway uh, through the National uh, 
treatment purchase fund where they use your members all the time for procedures. Yeah, there is an existing arrangement there that is done on an annual basis and an annualized basis. It's it's okay. It works reasonably well. There's a lot of work goes through the private system for that. I think uh, somewhere in the region of 40 plus million a year at the moment or or maybe some with that. But um, that's not the answer to the capacity crisis that's there at the moment, I believe, in its current form that arrangement within TPF, because, again, it's a bit ad hoc. It's too annualized. It's only kind of from one end of the year to the other that they can see. They cannot see beyond the end of the year. They cannot see beyond their budget. There are a lot of delays with the administration of that and some challenges there as well. Um, it works and it works reasonably well, but I genuinely believe um, that the solution is to the, again, is to look at healthcare in Ireland, mm-hmm. we're a tiny island, is to look at it in its totality, in an yeah. all-island approach, no. and, and see one system of healthcare, look at it through the patient and their lens and what they require, because at the end of the day, Pat, and this is an important point to make, patients really don't mind whether they're treated in a hospital that's governed or owned by an individual I mean, or what a you're suggesting. Or is the money follows the patient model, which has been uh, recommended by quite a number of uh, medical voices. They say doesn't matter who's running the show, whether it's the HSE, a voluntary hospital, a private hospital, whatever it might be. Uh, if the money follows the patient, it leads to efficiencies in hospitals. Uh, the more treatment you do, the more money you get, etc., etc. That's a model that does recommend itself. Uh, whether or not it'll ever come to pass, I don't know. Uh, two other points. One is uh, that. Uh, the private hospital is simply better at building hospitals than the public sector. We see the mess of the National Paediatric Hospital. We saw how long it took to build Bowman Hospital. Even before that, St. Vincent's Hospital. I have a long memory of how long it takes to plan these uh, places. Uh, so uh, you're saying that if you're given the timeline and a demand, you can actually create beds, create spaces, create services far more efficiently than the the public sector can. Well, I mean, it's a fact of life that public monies, when they're expended, there's a lot of uh, additional procurement um, obstacles uh, placed in the way of that, and it takes longer to do it. Um, it's a matter of fact, whether we like it or not. We have to have an extreme level of accountability with public money, so I understand that. Um, and I wouldn't say that they, the public always struggle building facilities. They, you know, the Central Mental Hospital was built quite timely as it happens and quite efficiently, but in reality, yes, the private system will build quicker and will uh, procure much easier and will get it done more uh, time efficiently and oftentimes more cost efficiently as well. So we do have the wherewithal to do it and we are doing it um, in, in spades at the moment. If you look at Limerick, there's a brand new hospital being built there um, by the Bonds. Uh, the sod was turned on uh, February of this year and it's going to be open on the 1st of January of next year. So that's a hospital complete there in a 12-month timeline uh, and that will be open in yeah. January. There's no, no two ways about it um, and will be staffed and operating. So I, I, these are the examples that we can bear out on what we see. In conclusion, I'll read you some of the text. Listening to the conversation about private hospitals, I can't help but be a bit cynical. There has to be an angle here somewhere for the private hospitals and particular for the consultants to get paid and hold the state to ransom for health care that they should be providing anyway. Why not make the consultants do a number of hours a week in public hospitals and tackle the waiting list that way? That's from Joe and Kildare. Uh, well, don't forget, some of them do work in public hospitals. Uh, when you're in for a simple procedure in a private setting, the insurance companies seem to pay for a full day or even a night in bed, even if you're in and done in five or six hours. It's a ripoff. Well, they are the deals that are cut and they will tell you that sometimes a procedure is more complicated and it can take two days. 
but the deal was only for one day and swings and roundabouts. I'm not sure I buy that. Uh, on WhatsApp, this is happening now. People are having to wait for a private procedure because the private beds are full of public patients. Another one, it is happening. I'm waiting three months for an injection privately. Uh, can your guest tell me why they charge so much for the beds in private hospitals? I had a varicose vein uh, removed in each leg six months apart. The surgeon and anaesthesiologist cost the same both times, pretty reasonable considering their role, but the nightly cost of the bed went from 1500 to 2000 in that short period of time between the surgeries. My insurance company just paid out. Anyway, Jim, a lot to talk about there, and perhaps we'll do this again another day. But Jim Daly, CEO of the Private Hospitals Association, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.